Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Saviour, me? <laughs> <laughs> So hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Excommunicated Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Tom. And I'm Arthur. <laughs> no, you're not Arthur. No, unfortunately Arthur isn't here with us this week. No. Um, him and Alex have cruelly decided to move away. It's not good. We love you Arthur. No. Nope. Oh, yes we do. No, he's abandoned us. We love you Arthur and we'll be true. When you're not with us we're blue. Oh Arthur we love you. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday I'm going to get a message from Arthur about that. You will, you better. Um, but yeah, him and Alex have cruelly decided to move away to finish their degrees yes. as the selfish chumps that they are. Unbelievable, yeah. He's coming back onto the podcast, but his internet is down for a few weeks whilst he gets his new house set up. So yeah. we're working on a setup where we can record remotely and he can join us again every week. But it's it's probably going to take a couple weeks. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So in the meantime, Tom and I will be continuing our Plymouth Brethren series. Um, this week, we're going to be looking at... Ridicule. Yay. Yay. This is a good one. This has made me feel so good doing research for this. I can imagine it has. Mm, yeah, it's just so good. I can imagine it has. But if you've never listened to us before, we're ex-Christians who are talking through our deconversion journeys um, after decades in the church. And we're normally joined by my brother, Arthur, who is a lifelong sinner. So he has kind of a unique take on some of the things yeah, that we say. Yeah, sure. It is nice to have him because he does question a lot of what we say. I feel like every time it's just the two of us, Tom's like, it's so nice to have Arthur. Isn't Arthur great? <laughs> I wish he was here and not you. Yeah, could you just wear a beard? So this is going to be the third episode of our Plymouth Brethren Deep Dive series. Yeah. And we thought it would probably be helpful to start with a little bit of context on who the Plymouth Brethren are, were, the church that you grew up in. Yeah, certainly. I suddenly realised when I was listening back, I thought, if you're listening to this, you may not know anything about the church I grew up in or, or anything at all. So, <coughs> Cult. Yeah. Um, so I thought it probably would be best to give you a bit of uh, background information, really, about uh, about the church itself, because they are all completely different. So, um, so this church was actually set up probably in the 1950s. Um, I don't have the exact date. I think it was 53, but I haven't got the exact date. You mean your physical church that you grew up in, not the Plymouth Brethren? Absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah the, the physical church. Um, so after the war, um, there were um, there was a need for housing, and so many housing estates were built. Mm -hmm. um, and one of these was was built uh, in the city. And my father was a member of a church, and him and a couple of friends decided that it would be good if they could start a new Plymouth Brethren in this new estate. So they were already part of a Plymouth Brethren yeah, certainly. Like, branded church. Yeah, certainly. Okay. And so they decided almost like plant churching, I suppose. Um, plant churching? Do you mean <laughs> Do you mean church planting? No, 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 plant churching. Plant churching. Yeah, plant okay. churching. Yeah. Um and so they went initially to an old barn in the area itself. So what's the um whilst the estate was being built, they went into this old barn and started actually doing the church in the barn. Uh, and uh, they, they started doing the Plymouth Brethren um, youth group and, and wild wild stuff there, I'm telling you. All sorts went down there um, whilst the church actually was built. Uh, and they were then involved in building the church themselves, so they didn't actually get loads of people um, or a 
contractor or anything else. They actually built the church up themselves. Yeah. Um, so that when the estate then opened, um, which I, I believe was in the 50s, um, they then actually moved into this church itself in the new estate. All exciting stuff, you would imagine. Yeah. So it was set up as an original Plymouth Brethren. So there were elders who were the leaders, if I can say that, of the church. There isn't a pastor, there isn't a vicar, there isn't anyone like that. Mm -hmm. The people that run the church were elders, uh, and then the people underneath that were called deacons, and they did the daily running of the church. Again, none of these were employed, so they weren't paid or anything else. It was all like voluntary work. Yeah. Um, so the deacons would do like the painting and the decorating and the gardening and, mm -hmm. you know, the the running of the church, whilst the elders were the spiritual leaders, leaders, yeah, yeah. spiritual leaders of the church. And, uh, and so my father was one of the elders. Um, and though there wasn't one elder better than all the rest there was yeah. so you know in in the scheme of things no all elders were the same and and all deacons were the same but there always was one elder that was better than all the rest and uh and i'd say my father was the the chief elder at he, the time he was kind of pulling the most weight yeah, yeah yeah certainly and probably did the weight of the deacons as well to be fair you know he he did a lot he had a lot of energy that man he did yeah yeah he did so it was a um, a church which was in the middle of a new housing estate, um, but the area itself was very deprived. Um, and so there really, obviously it was after the war anyway, but there really wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was a, quite a difficult area, I would say. And so the church was built... Um, beautifully brand new church you know sort of uh, with new designs and there were windows and everything it was supposed to look really quite you know I wanted to say swanky oh, oh. Um, but it was you know supposed to look quite a modern modern new building but it wasn't long before uh, the windows were all smashed mm -hmm. um, and so they had to be boarded up and if you actually went past the the hall now you would not recognize it as anything apart from a box with yeah. no windows uh, because basically they were destroyed, you know, very, very soon in, in uh, once they had opened up. Yeah, it looked weird. It just, it looked a bit of a strange building, I must admit. Yeah. Um, and it did grow. Um, they did have growth, but not from the estate itself. And I think it was almost like, oh, we've got an exciting new project here. Let's go and, and join this church. And so the church was quite large. Well, when I say quite large, we're probably saying a congregation of maybe 50, mm -hmm. maybe a bit bigger at its prime. But it was made up mostly of professional people that decided that they wanted to support this church in this uh, area which needed help. When you say professional, I think a lot of the time you say, you say professional people. What you mean is wealthy people. Yeah. And you refer to them as professional because that's what they would have referred to themselves Absolutely. as yeah but you mean well off well dressed yes smart biblical you know taught people yeah certainly i mean i did want to say at this point um i wanted to give you almost like a breakdown of the people that were there um so when i yeah when you say professional there was there were professors doctors teachers um i'm just trying to think of of some others there was a scientist um, incredibly intelligent people here who all decided that they would join this church um, uh, to reach out to this uh, to this estate you know in this in this area 
Um, so yeah, when we're saying professional, they were they were wealthy people. Yeah, and um, it, it it just always irks me a little bit when a group of rich, smart people move into an area and they're like, "We'll help these poories." Yes, yes. It 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 always comes off as quite savior complexy. Like the absolutely, pe- yeah, certainly. The people in this estate must be dumb because they're poor. Yes, and that's the vibe I've always got from your parents' church. Is yeah. that poverty comes from stupidity in their eyes? Yes, which is yeah harsh. So no, no, I would I would say that completely. I yeah. I'd agree with that completely. That they think that that poverty comes from stupidity. Yes, and it, it's it's just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, but yeah, go on. Sorry. Um, and as you said, I mean, they were um, they would drive to the the church in their fancy cars, in their fancy cars, wearing their fancy suits. And uh, I mean, I'll talk about this later on, how that uh, the ladies all wore hats. Um, That's a whole nother episode. And it is literally a whole nother episode. But basically their their teaching was ladies would wear hats because the woman's hair was there was was glorified almost they they glorified in their hair and so you'd wear a hat to cover that up mm-hmm. i'm saying it very badly but roughly yeah. yeah um but the ladies that wore their hats were the most extreme hats you could possibly ever imagine if you went to a wedding a really posh wedding you saw these ladies or ascot or something yeah with feathers sticking out the top and everything else yeah. like like a royal wedding yeah they wore those sorts of hats so if you wanted to you know, is the total extreme. They don't wear scarves, head scarves to cover their heads. So they're almost showing off with the hats. Yes. Then, yeah. Which then becomes another glorified. Absolutely. Thing, yeah. So. so, but if you can imagine, you know, people these um, so-called professional, you know, affluent people turning up in their brand new cars, and yeah. we are talking brand new cars, who got out wearing their suits, their wives wearing a suit, because it would be a suit as well, not a trouser suit, but a, you know, a, a dress, suit, a dress yeah. suit or a dress with a big fancy wedding hat and then walking across with their big black Bibles to this chapel or this church. Yeah, it, um, it, it seems a good look. It seems slightly out of place. So you can imagine the people on the estate thinking, yeah, I, I really wouldn't fit in there. It's just unrelatable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and in all my time there, um, I could probably tell you on one hand the amount of people that actually came from the estate into that church. In decades we're talking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just a a little bit of background about where I went and the structure itself. Um, And the people that attended were, you know, these types of people. Um, And none of them lived on the estate. They all travelled Probably the nearest was about three miles away and some many more, you know, actually drove in uh, to attend this church. And they all then went back afterwards in their new cars to their detached, and we are talking detached houses, um, a little while away. If if you're in the UK, deta- you know, detached houses are a big thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, maybe not if you're elsewhere, but yeah, yeah, in the UK, it's like, whoa. If you're in America, that's like standard. But yeah, if you're in sure. the UK, only the richy rich people have detached houses. Yeah, certainly, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they were that type of person. I'm even just remembering then there was a major was there as well. It was those types of people. Status was very, very important in the Plymouth Brethren. It was all about who you were, who you knew, how you dress. Yeah, certainly. It, that all mattered way more than how 
good of a person you actually were. It yes. was how you appeared to others and how high you were in society. Absolutely. Yeah, certainly. I think so. I mean, if I turned up into the church um, wearing jeans, whoa, but if I wore jeans and, and a T-shirt, you know, you'd be looked down upon. It'd always be like, what's wrong with him? Yeah, certainly. What's happened? Yeah. Um, but uh, if I turned up to their church, a, a total sinner, but wear, wearing a suit, it'd be like, oh, okay, you know, we can work with this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, very sad. Um, but my title of this this actual talk today is, um, as I've said many times before, and this should become a drinking game, I think, is the Plymouth Brethren know everything about everything. everything. And when I say that, you know, it sounds, you know, a bit of a, a funny statement, but honestly, 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 they know everything about everything. Yeah. Um, and they are quite happy to tell you they know everything about everything as well. They're aggressive in it. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, you know, my my subject tonight is talking about ridicule. And I thought I would go into the dictionary to to do a, a proper bit of research about the, what the word actually meant, just to make sure I, I got it right. It was um, not a nice read. And this sounds really sad, but basically, um, I'll read it to you. So ridicule, um, it means to deride, to mock, to taunt, to imply, making game of a person, uh, usually in an unkind, jeering way. To ridicule is to make fun of, either sportively or good-humouredly, or unkindly, with the intention of humiliating. And as I read this, I thought, that's my life. That's your whole life, yeah. That... <laughs> no it's just like, yeah. oh my goodness, I cannot believe that. Yeah, yeah. that is my life. Um, just ridicule. They do it in a way where they it's condescending mm -hmm. because they're professional people, because they know everything about everything, they will ridicule you. They'll make you feel bad. They'll make you feel stupid. Make you feel stupid, but do it in a, <laughs> oh, you don't know that. Oh, you're so silly. Oh, my goodness me. And try to make it as though they're being nice about it. But it still makes you feel like shit. Mm. They almost do it in like a light-hearted but also vicious way. Yes. It's it's very cutting and it's very demoralizing. But they're they're laughing whilst they do it. Yes, and absolutely. It's almost like if you don't if you don't join in and you don't laugh along, then you're the idiot. You yes, know, so, absolutely. So you've just got to go along with their ridicule. Yeah, you're right. You can never fight back. No, never. And I and I think that may have shocked you um, when we you, got together. Yeah, yeah. Because I was ridiculed constantly, and I didn't bite back. I didn't do anything. I just laughed along. Yeah, and I, I would I would get so upset when I would because like when you love someone mm. and then you watch them not stand up for themselves it's a really hard thing yeah sure and we would leave events and i'd be like why did you let them say that to you and you'd be like what yeah certainly you, you wouldn't it had gotten to a point where you didn't even notice yeah how cruel yeah the certainly. things that they were saying yeah. were uh and okay it may not have hurt so hard then mm -hmm. um because it already done its damage you were like numb to it yeah certainly yeah. uh i'm not saying it didn't do any damage because it really did do damage, but um, at that point, I was just numb. Used I just, to it. I was just used to it. I knew that's what was going to happen. I knew that's what they were going to say. Mm -hmm. So just suck it up. Yeah. Um, and I remember you saying on um, on numerous occasions, actually, um, but telling me to turn around and say, well, why do you think that? 
Why have you said that? Get them Why? to explain the joke. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this tactic online to of how to deal with someone who's telling like a really sexist or a really racist joke. Okay. And not to laugh, but to almost act like you don't understand. So yes. get them to explain it. Sure. And then in them having to explain it, they'll the the goal is that they'll realise how shitty the joke is. But, but it never but, worked. No, and I, I but I think that's true and it is something I need to work on is when they ridicule or when they say certain things, to turn around and say, well, why do you find that funny? Why do you think that? Why did you just say that to me? Yeah, because really that isn't funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I put here, you know, it was always with almost like a sly laugh mm-hmm. at your response. It was almost like, oh, bless you. Oh, you don't really understand, do you? you know, but, and it was just so patronizing and so made you feel so bad mm-hmm. it's almost like well we know everything because we know everything about everything and you know you obviously haven't reached that you know that standard that form of intelligence you know mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> oh, oh dear. bless you yeah oh dear dumb yeah. little Tom. oh you're so dumb um i remember on one occasion um that uh, it was literally after the divorce and i'd got my act together so i thought because i'd gone back to church um Yes, if that was the answer. But um, I got my act together, but my father was still giving me absolute shit about something. I can't remember what it was. He was quite spiteful and quite um, spicy, if I can say. I, I can't think of the right word, but, you know, he, he wasn't, he was being, you know, not very pleasant, really. Um, and the fact was, I'd going, I was going back to church, so I I thought I'd got my act back together again you know I'd repented of my sins and and everything else um and I remember on this one occasion um him giving me stick because obviously the divorce was still going through and that in his eyes was completely wrong Mm -hmm. and I said look dad you know um I've repented and you know I'm going to church now and I said you know it it says in the bible that there's no condemnation for those are in Christ Mm -hmm. and he just laughed at me and he said, oh, you have no idea. And it was like, it made me feel like an absolute idiot. Like, what do you mean I have no idea? What, doesn't that verse of scripture mean what I thought it mean, meant? Um, but he just laughed. Because that, that was his way of dealing with you, was to make yeah. you feel stupid. And sure enough, I felt like an idiot. And years on, I'm still remembering that fact. He laughed at me for saying that even though I thought I had done the right thing, you know, I'd gone back to church. I had, yeah. you know, repented of my ways. I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to, you know... Um, Get yourself right with God. Yeah, all of those things. Um, so that's, you know, just one tiny example. But throughout my life, I was ridiculed, literally, constantly. Um, and uh, it started when I was young at mm-hmm. school um, because um, my friends would ridicule me because I was going to church and I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, and because of that, I wasn't in any of their friendship groups. I wasn't in any of the um, things that I wanted to go to. It was almost like, well, oh, you can't do that because you go to church. And so I felt really out of place because, you know, I, even at school, I couldn't be um, in the right group. Um, when I started my workplace, and the first thing I had to do, actually, I remember it even in my secondary school. So that's when I was 11 years old when you went to secondary school. Uh, the first thing you have to do is when, um, and this is what I was taught, um, when you go to a new group and you're in a new 
um, new group of people, they normally st- turn around and say, so um, let's say your name and, and tell a little bit about yourself type thing. And so we had to do that. And the first thing I always had to do and I was taught to do was say, hello, my name is Tom and I'm a born again Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so that's what I had to do when I was at school. Yeah. And I felt not only did I feel um, so scared and nervous and I didn't want to do it. I had to do it because that was what I was taught to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and literally, when I went home that night, I'd be asked, so, you know, did you tell people you were a born-again Christian? My you know, God. I was questioned. Um, if I turned around and said, I, I don't know why I should, I could have lied, but I didn't, you know. Said, oh, yeah, I did, yeah, honest. Um, but no, I, I said, yes, I did, and I did. I told them that. Well, immediately, if you can imagine some 11-year-old kid doing that in school. You're getting ridiculed. I wasn't allowed to say I was a Christian because they were associated. There were people who were Christians. uh, My parents would say, or the Plymouth Brethren would say, many people believe they're Christians because they were brought up in a Christian country. Mm -hmm. So because you're brought up in England, many people think that you're a Christian. So I wasn't allowed to say, hello, I'm Tom, I'm a Christian. I had to say, I'm a born-again Christian, which would set me apart. Once again, the Plymouth Brethren did believe they were, like, on another level. Oh, so much so. They were the best Christians ever. Yeah, I'm, but to be fair, the only Christians ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, ridicule then from kids, from teachers, from everything at school was awful. Uh, and I remember then my first day in work, I had to do exactly the same thing. And I remember being working, I was on a factory in a, on, by a machine. And uh, this bloke said, uh, so then, uh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I, I go to church. I'm a born again Christian. And I felt as though the earth, I wanted the earth to swallow me up, you know, and, and not spit me out. You know, it was. But you oh, still did it. I still did it. And these were blokes on a factory floor, and I was ripped, absolutely. It was awful. It was horrendous. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. Because, again, I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I go to church, I go to youth group or something. Mm -hmm. No, I'm a born-again Christian. And, again, when I went home that night, it was, did you tell them? Yes. Oh, well done. That's what you need to do. Oh, you had to do that. You had to make your stand. You have to make your stand on day one. So, oh man, it was horrendous. I felt so, so bad. And that was due to the teaching that I received. You had to do that. There was no other other way. You had to do that. Um, So that was the teaching of the Plymouth Brethren. You know, I had to do that. And I was... Uh, so brainwashed that I didn't lie. I didn't lie about this and say, "Oh no, I don't go to church. No, I just I do whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do that, and uh, so it was awful, but probably not as bad as growing up in certain circumstances as well, because as I said, um, I was always referred to um, as a child as being the wimp, or being overly sensitive, or the soft one, or those types of things and that was from my parents themselves you know literally from 
all I can imagine it was probably from the age of about five onwards, I was always referred to and as as these characteristics. You know, if I cried, oh, oh that's the wimp. I was, yeah, I was ridiculed then as a child throughout church for being sensitive, uh, which is a horrible, horrible thing, actually, to, I mean, sensitivity is actually quite a nice characteristic, I think. And it's even a biblical characteristic. Certainly, like, yeah. Even Jesus cried. Yes. Um, you know, Jesus meek and mild type thing was, was a good characteristic. And yet I was classed as... Uh, and again, I'm going to put it in inverted commas, but they, they were terrified that I was, was gay. Uh, and so they ridiculed me. They tried to make me feel like an idiot for feeling these ways so mm -hmm. that maybe I wouldn't be gay if that was the case. So that you would, quote unquote, toughen up. Yes, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Lovely parenting oh. tactic. Yeah, it worked. Mm, not mm -hmm. um and so yeah from you know a very early age um as i said before you know i used to cry a lot but it was soon knocked out of me uh, yeah. and as i said in my baptism where i had just that tear in my eye i didn't cry that tear in my eye when my mother turned around and said what on earth what are you doing that for you know it's it was almost like toughen up we, there's people around here from yeah. the Plymouth Brethren that were looking at you and if you're going to cry you know how number one how does that make me look um, if my son's crying if my son's crying at an emotional thing oh my goodness me you know they'll think you're gay or something and yeah. literally so that was from the age of 11 yeah it's something you don't do you really don't do and then um I'm I'll bring it up slightly to date because we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about me crying or not crying. Yeah, or the lack thereof. The lack that <laughs> I, I never seem to be able to cry. And this is a bit of a shocker. Um, so my father was dying, literally dying, and we were all called to his bedside. Um, and uh, I remember going in by myself um, and holding his hand and uh, because it was literally moments away and so I cried um and I remember now thinking when was the last time I cried that was the last time I cried I think okay and I cried and he turned around and he said oh, you were always the wimp weren't you and at that time on his deathbed I, I remember him saying I was a I was the wimp or the sensitive one because I was crying about the fact that he was dying um, and uh, yeah, that was probably the last time I think that I cried. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> you think so? That'll cauterize your tear duct. Yeah, I think so. And that was literally on the deathbed. Yeah, so that was that was I think the last time. I mean, obviously, I've had uh, many a tear in my eye watching America's Got Talent. Yeah. Um, the important things in life, but yeah, that was expressing my emotion in front of someone. Um, that was the time and I was called soft or 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 actually sensitive. Um, and uh, I can't believe that, actually. Now, thinking about it, it's like... No, I don't even know what to say. No. Like, that of all times. Why, why would that be something he picked up on? Like, you're always the soft one. You never cry. It's not like he's seen you cry no. hundreds of times. You haven't cried for decades. No. And the one time you choose to show it, yeah, he ridicules you for it because yes. of some perceived link to being gay yeah, and certainly. showing your emotion, which is just such an just a horrible, harmful, outdated idea. Yeah, that men can't cry. 
Yes. Your dad was dying. Yeah, absolutely. That's I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, and I was now thinking, as I said, these things are actually quite painful, you know, when yeah. we're doing research. It's like, wow, do I really want to look at this this week? Do I really want to start digging these things up? Because Do I want to tell strangers on the internet yeah, about this? Because I'd completely forgotten about that. You know, as you said, yeah. when was the last time you cried? Oh, I don't know. It must have been years ago. You oh, never told me that. No, then. That, that was it. And that was soon knocked out of me. Um, oh, Tom, I'm yeah, so I know. sorry. It's, uh, it's so, so sad. And I just want to go back to to what the, the dictionary says, to to mock, to taunt, to, um, to be unkind, to jeer, to ridicule, to make fun of, either sportively or in a good-humoured or unkindly with the intention of humiliating. And it's almost like, you know, oh, you always were the soft one type thing, you know, in a joking sort of way. But that was ridicule. That, that wasn't was, a joke. That wasn't joke. That was... It's to like, make you feel dumb. Yeah, to to not do that, you know. And I've, I've said in the past how that I didn't receive hugs or, or anything from my parents until uh, I remember my sister coming back from nursing or something um and uh saying oh you know we never hug or anything and so i remember getting a hug from my parents um when i came back from university um that fully was fully grown adult at that yeah, point that was that was when i first received them and uh yeah so that's you can see how that emotionally i was and still am um sort of uh, stinted stult st- uh, what's the st word destroyed destroyed <laughs> Yeah, that stunted, stunted. Yeah, but destroyed is probably a better word. Yeah, destroyed, emotionally bashed in. Yeah, certainly. So yeah, that's pretty difficult. But ridicule. Um, <laughs> sorry, just oh, <laughs> your unwavering ability to positively move on from some of the worst things. You... Anyway, so anyway, like, yeah, let's let's just... let's move on. It's because of I know, I know. Yeah, I and that's that's the problem what ridicule does is it is a destructive thing isn't it 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 does um either stop me from thinking or makes me hide things away or i don't know my feelings away yeah we'll get onto that but if you ever got upset they have the fallback of it was only a joke yes you know i'm yeah i'm just it's just a joke. Don't take it seriously. Yeah, why are you taking it so seriously? You know, yeah. it's not like they walked in a room and said, Thomas, you're a piece of shit and I hate you. No. You know, they they would say these destructive things, but in a jokey way so yeah. that you can't take it seriously. No. I'm only joking with you. Yeah, certainly. And you've got no comeback then. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because you're being dramatic if you don't get the joke. Yes. You know, oh, you're just... Yeah, so manipulative. It is. Yeah. It gives you no fallback, and then you think, for an easy life, you've just got to say that you find it funny and laugh along with it. Yeah, which I did. Yeah, which has messed you up. Big time. Yeah, big time. I mean, that's just one form of ridicule. You know, we could spend... Four hours. Four hours talking about this, you know, sort of... Biblical ridicule, you know, if you didn't know your Bible well enough, how that they would laugh at the fact that you, what, you don't know that verse? Mm -hmm. Really? Well, perhaps you need to read your Bible a little bit more. Uh, They would joke. Um, They would ridicule you about the things you said, the things you did. The way you looked. The way you looked. And, And the way you looked was 
pretty major, actually, because they class themselves as these wonderful professional people that had lovely cars and lovely houses and lovely suits and lovely lives. If you didn't fit into their plan, you were... A joke. A joke. Yeah, good. A joke. And even to the extent of if you um, were overweight, even. Oh, yeah. Um, Weight was a massive thing. My mother still has terrible, terrible issues with um, ridiculing people for weight Mm -hmm. um, within the church and out of the church. And that's messed me up, I'm telling you as well, big, big time. My um, relationship with food is not healthy. No, it's disordered. Um, My relationship with all sorts of things is not healthy, to be fair. Money's another one, which we'll talk about another day. But, But food is horrendous. Um, and the way you look and they do everything you know if you don't fit into their you know cookie cutter type you know way then they really actually they do make fun of you they absolutely rip you to yeah shreds, i remember you know the the way home in the car always after a service was not talking about how wonderful god had touched them during that time, how that, you know, the message was so clear, how it was so wonderful, how that, you know, we've got this relationship with this all beautiful, wonderful God. The message was, did... Brief interlude, whilst Tom checks the front door, because there was a knock at our door, and neither of us have our phones up here. So we'd be, um, you know, sort of leaving. And as I said, rather than talking about God, all that actually my mother would be talking about would be what someone was wearing, what someone said, um, but mostly what they were wearing, what they looked like. Who's gained weight? Who's lost weight? Yes, those sorts of things. Um, and it was it was just such a destructive thing to hear as a child to know that that's all your parents are going on about. That's all they're concerned with, that's, really. Yeah, if that's all they're concerned about, um, you know, by osmosis, it almost just goes in. That's what you start to see as important. Mm-hmm. Not the um, not the message, the, the biblical message, but really what people looked like, what they wore, what they did or what they didn't do, really. And I feel like a lot of people in your parents' church, obviously your parents as well, but I don't want to just single them out because no. it was a culture in the church. Yes, absolutely. The the comments yes. that they would make, they would take such pleasure yes. in destroying someone's appearance yes, behind certainly. their back. Yeah. Never too much to their face, but it, it would there would be such a joy. Yes in them when they were able yeah. to just tear somebody's appearance down. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and my best friend who was in the church at, at the time, and his father was an elder, and his mother obviously was in the church as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon, sometimes I'd go around to their house uh, rather than stay in my own. And his mum was exactly the same. It wasn't just my mum. No, no, no. And it's... she was so sarcastic with it. Yeah. It's a, it's a product of the the attitude within the church because for the women it's almost like a competition. Yes. Well, if she's fat, then I'm not the worst looking one. Yes. And if you know her dress is horrible, then I'm prettier. And it's yes. like the women were competing with each other because yeah. it's quite a 
patriarchal church. It, yes, one hundred percent. It's yes. a it's a men's church, and the women keep their mouths shut. Yes, all they had to offer was their appearance. And so they would take such great joy out of ridiculing the other women's appearance. Yeah, certainly. Genuinely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, you know, in the church, as I said, we sat in circles. Um, and I just wonder if the, the women would just look across at each other and mm-hmm. and judge. Absolutely, You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I, Because obviously I was a child and I, I really don't know. But I, from the the destructive language that was in the car afterwards... I can only assume there was that's all they were doing. Maybe they were bored out of their heads themselves because they weren't allowed to speak, they weren't allowed to do anything, they weren't allowed to pray. Um, they just had to follow along with whatever their husbands were saying. Yeah. Um, so maybe they were just bored out of their head and looking and saying, Look at her hat, look at how much weight she's put on, look at mm. this. Or even like how much they were eating after the service. It would be like, well, she had three biscuits. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Even that would be a point of ridicule of like, who is eating what? Who's yes. on which diet? Absolutely. Who... And if people can't lose weight after they've had their babies, well, yes. that was, you well, know. Yeah, this is it. The ridicule would be so intense and it, it would all be appearance based. Yes, it would. Um, yeah, so, you know, weight for some reason became a massive, massive issue. But she would ridicule um, me, not as a child for weight, because I was under her commands and and, uh, control. But as soon as I left and went to live by myself, it became such an issue. Uh, And uh, it was something that I became more aware of. Probably as I became older, I was more aware of the fact of, wait a minute, this is all she talks about. Because literally every telephone conversation, uh, every time I met with her... It would be a reference to my weight, um, to my sister's weight, to friends' weight. To... Almost again in like a competition way as yes. well, though, like between you and your sister. She would try and pit you against each other. Sure. In most areas of your life, but definitely yeah. weight-wise. Yeah, certainly. Um, and uh, again, she would do it in a caring way mm. uh, or in a joking way. So like, oh, I'm only concerned because you know there's diabetes in the family and you do need to take care if you put on too much. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my goodness, I don't know where you got all of that from. It certainly wasn't from my side of the family. And this sort of thing. It was always um, said in a joking way, but it's such a destructive thing. That would be the only topic of conversation was, well, you've got to lose a bit of weight or, you know, you really need to do this. And, oh, your sister, she's put on so much. You would not believe how big she is now. It's almost like gossip. Like yes. like when you're on the phone to her, she's excited yes. to tell you yes. someone has gained weight. Yes. It's so exciting yes, to her. Yes, it really is. It really is. I, I would say gossip is actually very exciting to her, actually, saying mm-hmm. that. Um and trying to psychoanalyze it, you, I don't think you can. But is it due to the fact that she's been told to be quiet all of her life? Mm-hmm. You know, is is that it? And these are the exciting things that she finds. I don't know. I'm not her. Yeah. But but it, it, it appears that way. Um, and so things like I, my sister went on the Daniel plan, which was a Christian diet, which is just bizarre because obviously Daniel, um, who we all know was in the Bible, um and uh it was him uh and he was captured and i'm going to try to remember these things now sorry if i get it wrong he was captured by nebuchadnezzar and he was in the court and uh 
they basically he was a chief servant and he would have been fed the the best food but mm -hmm. he decided he didn't want to be fed from the table of the king um, because that food would have been offered to false gods so instead he became a vegetarian and he ate food that uh uh, food and grains maybe that uh, he was used to that wouldn't have been offered to the the false gods mm -hmm. uh, and he was still fit and healthy and everything else so it must have been great because god blessed daniel and so there was this new um, diet that came out for christians called the diet plan the <laughs> daniel plan which was I don't know the exact diet, but it was supposedly the food that Daniel would have eaten. Mm -hmm. And you could have like prepackaged, you know, boxes. Yeah. And then you would go to churches, almost like Weight Watchers, but it sure. was in churches. And yes. you'd pray about your diet. Absolutely. And, and things like All that, these things. But... Yeah. What a great idea. A lot of money made there, I expect. Uh, so much so that I think my sister became gluten intolerant through that yeah, diet plan. It wasn't, wasn't the healthiest. And I think even you yourself like it's led to quite a yo-yo yeah certainly dieting life yeah certainly. you're always very up and down yeah it, it's so hard for you to to have a sensible like a balance. relationship balanced yeah. relationship with food because it's been yeah because again because of the ridicule that went on exactly, and and yeah. continues to go on um and in the sense now um i've i've lost weight and so She's my, happy. She's happy. She thinks I'm amazing. But my sister, oh, she's put on so much weight. And she'll tell me. And she'll t it, she tells you the figures, yeah. the exact figures. and It's just so sad to, to, mm -hmm. to think that that is all she's concerned about, really, in that sense. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, what's that got to do with the Plymouth Brethren? All I'm saying is that it was toxic the way that everything was looked at. You know, everything from the way you looked, everything from the way you behaved, the jobs you did, what you did in school. Did you tell people about the fact you were a Christian? You know, it was looked at really, really closely. And if you didn't follow their plan, if you didn't follow their ways, then that's when you were ridiculed by most. There were the occasional person there were there was the occasional person who would just tell you blunt because they were a grumpy git basically and uh they would say well i you know i'm going to tell you because you should you shouldn't be doing that and and would uh would tell you bluntly and they were horrible horrible people but these people that joked about it you thought well they weren't so bad but we're doing exactly the same thing but you can't basically. defend yourself against that as much no no because it, it's harder to, to detect how horrible they're being. Really. Yeah, sure. And I think, like... Were there any very overweight people in your church? The the Plymouth Brethren Church? No, I'm, I honestly can't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure there were people. Um, they all seemed very, um, sort of, as we said you know, before, cookie cutter. Cookie cutter, yeah. Um, they all looked the same. They all behaved the same. They all had the same sort of job. They all had the same sort of cars. They all did the same sort of things. They were mm -hmm. all professional people. You know, they were all the same type of person. Um, and you all had to conform and behave the same sort of way. Um, but it turned me into this not a very nice person as well because... Um, it turned me into someone who also thought he knew everything about everything. Uh, and that is, that's not a nice trait. No. No. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. 
but that's that's really and even at a young age i remember going to a a youth group oh the youth group where we went on holiday with um and uh i remember we were talking or or to the mission uh, oh the spanish the trip. spanish trip oh yeah uh, that youth group and i remember again doing this research now thinking what a dick i was because i ridiculed um the not vicars what are the curates um i ridiculed the curates because they were talking about um having communion mm-hmm. and uh they were saying oh we could have communion and we'll um we'll have the wafers and the wine and i remember ridiculing them because they would have wafers and i said where in the bible does it talk about having wafers did jesus talk about let's break the wafers and mm-hmm. drink the blood you know type thing um and just a simple thing i was an absolute dick because you know it was bread and of course in the plymouth brethren we had a proper loaf of bread you know not not sliced loaf um a proper baked loaf which we broke you know on the table and we poured the wine and we did it just like they did in the bible in um, the plymouth brethren in the plymouth brethren um whereas no i was making a bread joke ah uh, sorry bread Brethren. Brethren. If oh, Arthur thanks. was here, he would have loved yeah, that. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, I'll text him later. He's probably giggling now, listening yeah. to this, yeah. In his car. Yeah. I hope you're all right, Arthur. <laughs> hope it's going well up there. How's your car? Oh, dear. Um, so, and I remember being a dick, even taking the mick out of that. Mm-hmm. I'm, th- th- I'm sure they must have thought, oh, man, here he comes. Mm-hmm. I, I probably, I was hated. <laughs> I probably thought I was loved because I knew everything about everything and I was such a great knowledgeable bloke. They probably thought, oh, no, here he comes. What this? What is he going to come out with now? Mm-hmm. Because he knows everything, you know? And I thought, oh, man, looking back at this, you just suddenly realise what an idiot. Mm-hmm. And as, you, as you've now obviously stated as well, I, I have that same characteristic with you where you think I know everything about everything. Is that right? I would say you are so much better now right. than you used to be. I think when we first were getting to know each other, there would be some times where you would make me feel so stupid because you do this sort of giggle, laugh thing sure. of almost like, oh, that's so funny. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, you're so cute. It, yeah. yeah, almost like you were trying to make me feel like I knew nothing and sure. it was so frustrating. So I have like tendencies that obviously you think are quite annoying i'm very um like keeping things or i'm very sentimental or i'm very emotional there would be some things that i would do and you would you wouldn't mock me in a cruel way like your parents would do to you sure but you would have this very much like i it's a laugh that sounds mocking i can't describe it no okay (laughs) <laughs> no I, I i i can't describe it but you're much better now yeah, you're sure. definitely changing yeah you a decade ago yeah were very different i i think about um certainly friends that we had that i used to mock um and i think what a git i was you regret really. a lot of that, i yeah. so regret it regret it <laughs> that's too much tiktok <laughs> i regret the thing i did <laughs> There would be these things I would do and I would regret them. <laughs> <laughs> did you regret that? I did regret that thing that I've just done, yeah. Um, but no, honestly, I so yeah. regret the way I behaved to, you know, a close friend of ours, really. Mm-hmm. I was a git because I thought I knew 
best. I knew everything about everything, about church and about things. And you think, you idiot, you knew nothing. Mm-hmm. In fact, now looking back, because obviously we think church was is and was shit, I knew nothing. Yeah. I knew nothing about everything. But I think the Plymouth Brethren raises people to believe that they are the authority. Yes. You know, not just over church things. No. So you did obviously feel very knowledgeable and yeah. confident in your beliefs. Yes. But you know best about everything. Yes. When absolutely. you're in the Plymouth Brethren. Yeah, I think you're right. What jobs people should have. Yes. Where people should live. Who people should be with. What should they spend their money on? What, what should they look like? Yes. If they don't look the right way, that's a a, a place for ridicule. Everyone yes. should look like the Plymouth Brethren. Yes. They're God's chosen people. Yeah. And and I it's was toxic. Yeah. And I used to ridicule people. It was, mm-hmm. And as I said, I, I can think of one person in particular who was a really close friend. What a horrible characteristic that is from myself. I, mm-hmm. I really regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, know I really do. Yeah. I really do. I think, oh, you, you know, that's horrible. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. It it can be very hard as well because you're quite you're quite closed because you don't want to be laughed at. Yeah. And I I think you had a hard time understanding the difference between people laughing with you and people laughing at you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time if we were laughing, you would just be dead-faced and you'd be like, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because certainly. you immediately, you hear laughter and you assume you're being laughed at. Yeah, certainly. Rather than we're just having fun. Yeah, because that's what would happen. Exactly. They would be laughing at, at me for the yeah. thing I said, for the thing I did. Yeah. Uh, and it hurt. So, yeah, I'd shut off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, this church has a lot to answer for, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's really screwed with my head, I tell you. It, it really has. I can't imagine there's anyone coming out of the PB that isn't screwed. Yeah. You know, maybe in a way to make you feel less alone as well. It's like they they treated everyone they came into contact like this. How is this teaching people about God? Sure. How is this teaching people, you know, Jesus was supposedly a loving, forgiving, kind, patient. Yes. When did he mock anyone's weight in the Bible? Find yeah. me a single quote where he went around an alleyway and said, did you see our thighs? <laughs> like he wouldn't have fucking done no, it. No, he wouldn't. No. Imagine what that did to all of the people who grew up like you. Yeah, sure. There are millions of people out there right now who are so damaged and mm. so hurt. Yeah. It's, yeah, it it does have a lot to answer for it you, does. right? It does, yeah. Um, even uh, my friend that is still in the church, he went in and uh, he's in a different denomination now. Um, yeah oh no defector um but he actually had to have counseling after leaving the plymouth brethren um because of how it affected him yeah um he's still in church which is you know fine for him um but uh yeah he needed counseling to to leave in a sense so everyone who's listening to this please email in that tom should get counseling (laughs) he won't regret it i won't regret it no i i do know i i would really benefit from counseling i did go to a counselor once um and uh, it was a wonderful experience it Mm -hmm. really was was good but to find the right counselor the right time with the right money is is the difficult thing i think yeah so yeah so i mean basically i was a dick um and i was a dick because you were, i was, you I were was a product of your environment yeah because i was taught to be a dick um and uh, i'm just i'm aware of people that 
um, that are still in the brethren that are that continue to be dicks that um, ridicule who think they know everything. Uh, and we've mentioned before that you know even a family member had a heart attack um, because he thought he knew about people being gay um, in the Bible um, and uh, in church, and he got so stressed about it because he knew everything about everything, and they weren't listening to him. And in the end, he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, how sad is that? It's just yeah. ridiculous. They get so angry about the things they think they know as well. Yes, That's the thing. so angry. There yeah. are a lot of people who have strong faith but can say, it's my faith and I don't need to push it on to you. Yeah. But people in the Plymouth Brethren have the, the mindset of like, it's my duty to tell you whilst why you're wrong. Yes, and you are wrong. I'm... And they have to scream it. Yes. I remember your mum saying to us once that she wished they still had that place to stand on a soapbox in Central Park. Yeah, certainly. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she said that she wished people could still do that because she had so many things that she needed people to hear. Yes. As though screaming at strangers... Yeah, is the answer. Is the answer. Yeah. Like just going into public with your opinion means you're right. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the confidence, the mm. audacity in your own opinions to, to, to believe that just screaming them at people will change their lives and yeah, will help sure. them in some way. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? It's, it's a very aggressive knowledge yes. that the Plymouth Brethren have. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, and, and that comes back down to really the fact they know everything about everything and it controls every aspect of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember even um, as a child... As I've said in the past, I wasn't allowed to play football because if I played football, that would, you know, take me away from God because I'd be so concerned about, you know, football rather than (laughs) studs. I don't know. You would just be just overwhelmed with stud oh, knowledge. Oh, man, so much so. They wouldn't want me talking about studs, no, would they? Sure. Whoa, no way. Um, but uh, I, I had a real interest in in animals, you know, really, really did. Um, I, interest, obsession. Yeah, I still do, in a sense, have that interest stroke obsession. obsession. Yeah. Um, but I really did, and I wanted to be a zookeeper, desperately wanted to be a zookeeper. Um, and, uh, again, at a child, as a child, I don't know how old I was, but they just made fun of me and said, number one, I wouldn't be intelligent enough to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, in a, in a laughing way, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that type thing, you know, you're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, but I spent all my time, I even worked in a farm cleaning out, you know, cow shit basically i didn't mind i didn't mind cleaning mm-hmm. i didn't mind doing the horrible jobs the good jobs i just loved animals but no i was too thick for that um so in the end i thought okay right i want to be a missionary and yeah. they thought, oh wonderful well yeah missionary would be fantastic but the reason why i wanted to be a missionary was because i thought i could go to africa yeah. And then I could look after the elephants mm-hmm. uh, and the giraffes and things. Yeah, like I think every kid at some point in their life wants to be a zookeeper. Yeah, sure. Quote, unquote, unquote. Yeah. Because they think it's cute. But when it comes down to the reality of what a zookeeper is, 99% of those kids would be like, oh, no, forget it. Yeah. But that wasn't the case for you. No, certainly. You weren't put off by like the mucking out the cages. No. You know, giving... 
medicine Medi- medical attention yeah, absolutely you know cleaning them helping the births things like that yeah. you love animals and yeah. you understand animals sure so much more than the average person that's the the other thing yeah certainly you get animals yeah you're like on on the right vibe with them yeah and imagine a you know some parents hearing that from their kid and instead of saying well if that's what you want to do you got to work hard type sure. thing they they turn around and tell you you would not be smart enough they didn't want to encourage you they wanted to to beat you down and break you down yeah and i mean make you feel dumb yeah i mean they knew the fact that i went and worked in the farm and i worked every single hour i had spare i would go and work in the farm every saturday not sunday obviously uh saturday and my holidays every holiday i would go and i would have to cycle um and then cycle up a massive hill to get home just to go and clean out cows and work on a farm for no money i wasn't paid a penny i was Mm -hmm. never paid um but i loved it i adored it and you'd think you know Surely you'd think, well, if he can clean out cows, he doesn't mind, you know, poo and things. If he doesn't mind giving medicine to stinky cows, then then mm-hmm. maybe he should be encouraged. But is that another, in their eyes, feminine job almost, looking after animals? It's almost like a caretaker role? I hadn't thought of it and that it's, way. And it's not a manly enough job? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Is it just another thing of them like, oh, well, he likes animals, he's sensitive... Yeah. And they, they tried to beat that out of you. They wanted you to put on a suit and have a career that they could show off at church. Yeah. And you don't wear a suit if you're a zookeeper. No. You know, no, and you're certainly. caring for animals and you probably would have been emotional for those animals. Yeah, certainly if one was put down or... They wanted you to get a high-paying suit-wearing job that yes. they could tell their friends about. Yeah, certainly. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, we we talk, we laugh now, but we talk about the fact that you know one day I'll probably work in a um, sort of rescue center or, or set up my own rescue center. You I know. don't think we're joking. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Or the other thing you want to do is open a cat cafe. Yeah, well, that would be cool. Yeah, but that sort of thing because that is me. Um, that that really is me. But there would be that just would not have happened. Um, I've I've always talked about the fact that I wanted really um, instead of following the profession that they wanted and by that time you know zookeeping was out I said I'd be very happy if I lived in a hut um, in the middle of a field and, and made clay pots all day long um, you know sort of barefoot you know crazy hippie type bloke um, I would have loved that I would have loved that just having that sort of simple life but surrounded again, by animals surrounded by animals yeah certainly but you know i would have been ridiculed again for mm-hmm. such a belief so it was just there was no hope i i couldn't follow my route i always had to live their life i could never live my own life yeah and my life was the life of the church mm-hmm. and so i had to follow what was acceptable as a professional person within the plymouth brethren yes yeah. that's what i had to do and and spend your whole life basically altering your behavior and altering your decisions to avoid ridicule. Yeah, certainly. You know. But then, unfortunately, picking up those those same characteristics myself, so that I could then inflict that on everyone else around me. And I and I think that's what I resent most. You regret. I yeah, sorry. That's what I regret most. Isn't the fact that they knocked me down. So that's not nice. Believe me, that's not nice. I regret the fact that 
I then carried that same skill set on to knock other people down because that was what I was taught. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Having to like come to that realisation as well, the things that you've done as well, that must be really hard. Yes. Really, really hard to come to that realisation. Yeah. And, you know, when I, I thought about the title of ridicule, it was like, oh yeah, no, I, you know, the the church did ridicule me, um, but looking back now, I can see that it was in every aspect of my life, mm-hmm. you know, from a child, from my job, to if I married, if I didn't marry, if I gained um, weight, gained weight, didn't gain weight, if I had a hobby or if I didn't have a hobby, if I um, had what, emotions, yeah, anything, literally anything. I would be, you know, either in a jokingly way told I was wrong or, you know, or mocked Mm -hmm. uh, or in an unkind way told I was wrong and needed to change my ways. And that's pretty sad. And then the icing on the cake was, and now I do it to others. And that was, that was horrible. That was hard, yeah. Um, And I think... Knowing these things is good because now hopefully I can change. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, thankfully, Jess, I am changing. Yeah, you um, are. But, but I really want to get to the place where, you know, this is therapy for me in a sense, where I'm actually looking at my my problems and working out what I did wrong, what I learned and how I can change. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be in a position where I don't take the mick out people, really, for whatever, whether they are fat or tall or the things they wear or the things they say or where they work or or whatever i don't want to be the person that taunts that judges judges. i don't want to be that person Mm -hmm. and i think as always we can't get away from an episode of not mentioning rupaul um (laughs) this show has changed your life it It really really has and i do encourage people if you've never watched it uh, this is a drinking game you won't regret it (laughs) watch it because it really was an eye-opener and and hopefully um it has taught me a lot again about not taking the mick out of people not taunting not mocking not being horrible about people who are different Mm -hmm. or actually maybe not that different than us you know they just express themselves that's the thing about like 90 percent of the world that the plymouth brethren hate it's people who are confident and express themselves and don't look like them yes and whether that's a person whether that's a drag queen yeah or someone who chooses to not be married or someone who chooses to dress differently whatever it is the plymouth brethren will mock because Mm -hmm. you are not like us yes but they're confident in who they are. Yes, yeah, And it's so hard to get there when you've grown up being mocked for any expression. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and I, I want to come back to the fact that they think now that they know everything about everything. Um, and I think that's the destructive thing mm-hmm. is that sentence. And you're probably wrecked now if you have been listening to this and drinking every time I say it. Did you hate going to church? <sighs> absolutely (laughs) it's really it's that sentence where it's so destructive Mm -hmm. and if you don't follow their ways it's the wrong way you're wrong and you're stupid yes you're not just wrong you're stupid yeah certainly and and up for humiliation yeah yeah so i had 
a few more things in my notes here, but I feel like it would probably just be beating a dead horse at this point because <laughs> we've, you know, gone over a lot of... We have, and I'm a bit like a dead horse in the corner here now. Yeah, you're yeah. like leaning on the wall a bit, so <laughs> I think we may end that episode here. Sure. But if you've got any questions, um, then please put them in our Facebook group. That would be really good, you know, and I'll, I'll try to answer them. Uh, as truthfully as I can, yeah. and I, I won't ridicule you for asking the the craziest things. You know, honestly, it's I'm I'm open to anything, anything that you say. Yeah, we have our private Facebook group um, for discussion and community. That's linked in the description. Yeah, you can also email us at xcompod at gmail dot com. Sure, message us on Instagram. Um, please don't find us in the wild and throw things at us. <laughs> please don't do that you'll regret it <laughs> but thank you for listening to this episode thank you tom for sharing that was that was a big yikes it was, it was quite hard yeah it was quite hard it was heavy yeah so you're gonna need a rest thank you thank you very much for sharing that was really really cool very great episode and next week we're going to be talking about the pb again yeah we are i'm, I'm still not sure i might want one not so heavy f for me um you know that was quite a personal one and and in some places hurt quite a bit um so i might we will be looking at plymouth brethren but i'm thinking it might be something like hats which isn't me um but obviously talking about something which is very very um important debated yes god debated you would not believe but that's for next week yeah so next week we'll be diving into the plymouth brethren again we hope you enjoyed this episode we hope you got value from it don't forget to check out all the links below and we will see you next week from 10am to reclaim our Sundays. Yes, we will. So, bye! bye. This is what uh, Arthur's going to do now. Do, 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 boo, boo, do, 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 do. I can't remember the tune. <laughs> <laughs> bye! <laughs>